of the weather. Uh, we're glad that you have made it here today safely. We are glad that you have chosen to worship with us at Boiling Springs Baptist Church this morning, and we look forward to the opportunity to be here, to be here safely, and we want to continue to remember in prayer those in our community and around our state and around our country who deal uh, with loss and, and repercussions of the hurricane this morning. But we're glad you're here for worship today. Our hymn is number 296. Brethren, we have met to worship 296. If you are able, please stand and join in singing. the children. Whoa, there's my beasts and boys. I want you to do something for me. I want you to put your hands out just like this. Will, does your hand look like mine? No. Jude, does your hand look like mine? How about that, James? Does it? No, it doesn't. Well, I want to read you. Hold your hands out. I want to read you a scripture. From Isaiah 49, verse 16. Look, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Did God write anything on your hand? He hadn't, did he? But you know what he really did, Will? Fingers. Fingers? But you know, your hand is little. Mine's big. I've got lines all over the side of mine. Do you have lines all? You got one up here. Let's see yours, Jude. Yours are different. James, are yours different? God made our hands different, but he made them to do one thing together. Do you know what that is? 
You know what everybody can do with their hands? Can you do this? We all know how to put our hands together and pray. When we have chapel at daycare, we learn to put our hands together. Sometimes it doesn't matter if you don't want to close your eyes, but we learn to be quiet. We learn to listen to God and we learn to put our hands together. God made all our hands different, all our fingers, all our markings, but he made us to be loved by him. Each of us are special. Can we pray? Hands together. Lord, today we ask a special blessing with all of our unique hands together. We ask a blessing on the children all over the coast who today may not know exactly what they're doing, where they're going, or where they're sleeping. Some of them have lost their homes. Lord, I lift these children up today, all these children. We are lucky and fortunate children today that we can put our hands together and pray. Lord, take care of them. Bring them safely to a home they can love. But most importantly, Lord, let them know that these children here are praying hard for them. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our next hymn is found in your hymnal at number 389. Lord, listen to your children praying. Um, it's never been in one of our hymnals that we've used in the past, but it's probably something many of you have heard, and um, it's easy to learn. And so we're going to use this in between uh, times of praying, but uh, Roger will play it through one time, the choir will sing it for you, and then we'll sing it together a couple times. Then Keith will pray, then we'll sing it again, and, I, and it'll go that way. So just watch me, and I'll indicate when it's time to sing. Please stand. God, we come to you at this time thankful and grateful for the way you have watched over us these last 48 hours. And we continue to ask for your protection and provision throughout the rest of this day and for the remainder of the storm. Lord, our hearts are heavy towards our neighbors down east. We do pray, Lord, for all homes and all individuals, Lord, that are affected by this, from children to the older adults. Lord, we do pray for your provision. Father, we pray for the days and the months and the time ahead. 
Lord, they'll know there'll be great heartache and labor involved in repairing and recovery. And Father, we just uh, pray that you would speak to us about how we, how you would have us to be involved in those efforts. Lord, we do pray for all emergency personnel who are continuing to assist even at this hour in the situations there. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your watch care. And Lord, we know that you are with these people. And Father, we ask for a special blessing on them at this time this morning. personal struggles, with problems. Lord, we pray specifically for Doris McIntyre. She is currently in surgery, and we pray that you would be with her and family, that you would bring them peace and comfort and healing. We pray for doctors and nurses and medical experts that you would guide their hands, and we just pray that their trust is placed in you. Lord, we pray also for Reed Murray, who has been moved to hospice. We pray for Irene and family, that in the coming days, weeks, and months, that you would bring a peace to their lives that only you can bring, that the world can't. Lord, we pray for those in this congregation this morning who are dealing with personal issues and things that weigh in our hearts and our minds things that go unspoken, and things that we've shared with one another. We lift those up to you. We place them in your hands. We trust in your love and in your presence. God, we pray that you be with us the rest of this morning as we worship, that everything we say and do would be pleasing in your eyes and keep us safe in the coming days. To the needs now that are around us, our friends at the coast, our friends here. Lord, we are a giving church. We are a gifted church. Allow us to see our gifts as you have been giving them to us. Open our hearts and our eyes. Lord, we thank you that we are able to be in your house today to worship, to join together as a family, to worship you, to love you, to love each other. Take care of us, Lord. Lead us and guide us as only you know how. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. September is North Carolina Missions Offering Month. This year's theme is Open Hands. It's based on Psalm 145.16. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. You have an insert in today's bulletin uh, that not only has that emphasis, but it shows the breakdown of each of the five categories, and I'll mention those in just a moment, in the pew benches in the little pocket, 
are the mission offering envelopes. And if you need more, uh, we can get more. We have plenty more available. Among the five emphases are Baptist on Missions, that's the North Carolina Missions Men. Um, you know, they are really doing a good job and have been for years. They supply among their 19 ministries, disaster relief and medical missions. Among those things they supply are the cooking feeding van, the showering bathing laundry van, and also for the medical needs. In Boiling Springs in 1994, when the tornado hit on Palm Sunday, we experienced help from them at that time. Currently, I'm sure they're already down east helping with Florence. And 41% of all of the offering that is taken in, and this year, the goal is supposed to be 2.1 million for the state. Ours local, our local here for Boiling Springs Baptist Church, our goal is $3,500. We also remember some of our people who've gone forward and helped with hurricanes before, uh, down in the eastern part of the state, some years back, down at, along the Gulf Coast a few years back, uh, and a many other locations. The second of the five categories are church planting. Um, these people who work with this provide training, coaching, and additional support to church planters to equip them to reach the new communities. Some of these, I am sure, are working with language groups, and that is 28% of the offering. The third category, of course, are the two mission camps, one down in the eastern part of the state, near Red Springs, and one here in Shelby. And they receive 15% of that amount. And we know currently that the Shelby camp is helping with provide space for approximately 200 people who are helping with the equestrian center over at Tryon during this time. The fourth category is missions mobilization, which involves men, women, students who are active in projects across their communities and across other communities in the state of North Carolina. Some years back, and uh, as often as we can, we have participated in Operation In As Much as one of those programs. 15% of the offering goes to that. The fifth category provides funds to help 77 Baptist associations in North Carolina. And so Greater Cleveland County Baptist Association receives some of those funds as well. And some of our members also participate in helping with the needs under that category. One of those things that we have been doing for years and we ask you to be planning ahead for that is the toy store at Christmas and those items will be needed to be turned in by the 1st of December so that they can um, know how much more needs to be bought and provided for. And some of the members from here donate money, some donate the toys themselves, and some actually go and help with the distribution. Whether we can do anything else or not, there are three things that we can do. We can pray, we can give, and some of us can go, thanks to those of this congregation who have gone. We will watch now a video that Roger has keyed up for us. What's Pay attention and share. Hands? As we look across our state, nation, and world, we see brokenness and pain everywhere, and the ever-needed relief is costly. 
but God has opened his hands to us so that we may open ours to others and his storehouse will never be emptied. When Billy Roy felt called to start a church in Whiteville, North Carolina, God's hand was already at work through the mentoring and guidance of Ascending Church in Fayetteville. Your gifts to the North Carolina Missions Offering are helping start new churches all across North Carolina, as well as supporting the 18 ministries of Baptists on Mission. Medical Missions is an opportunity for volunteers to use the gifts God has given them, using their hands to bring comfort and their hearts to offer hope. It's God's calling on our lives to serve others. We're just the hands and feet of God, so that's why we're here. I lost everything I had in this house. My sister called me and said, your house is on fire. When fire destroyed his home, Mr. Norman wondered if he'd lost everything until Baptist on Mission volunteers from Shelby Mission Camp used their hands to rebuild and their hearts to restore hope. Responding to natural disasters takes on many different approaches. In Puerto Rico, teams are rebuilding homes damaged by Hurricane Maria. I think that the message to the community is that they are not forgotten, and especially that God cares and it's sending people to take care of their needs. Your gifts to the North Carolina Missions Offering support these projects and all the ministries of Baptists on Mission. Thank you for giving to the North Carolina Mission Offering. Without it, I wouldn't be able to serve the people here in Puerto Rico. Thanks for giving to the North Carolina Missions Offering. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for helping us reach out to this community. Thank you. Thank you so much for participating in the North Carolina Missions Offering.
Before I pray this morning, uh, I'd like to read a verse from Malachi 3, verse 10. The Lord said, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. Let us pray. Father, we come to you today with humble hearts. We're so grateful for all the blessings that you give us daily. Father, I pray that as we give you our tithes and offerings this morning, that we think about the fact that the tithe is yours. It all belongs to you. And may we never withhold what is yours. Father, we just ask your blessings this morning that you use this offering to spread your message, not only here, but throughout the world. Amen. I need you to soften my heart and break me apart. I need you to open my eyes to see that you're shaping my life. All I am, I so.
Our scripture reading this morning is found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. This is in the midst of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and hear now the words of our Savior concerning prayer. Again, Matthew 6, verses 5 through 8. And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you that they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. When you are praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. May God bless the reading and the preaching of his word today. Amen. I think if I said that something is the real deal, most of you in the room would understand what I'm talking about. If again, if I said that something is the real deal, I think you know what I'm talking about. Our choir is the real deal. Thank you, Candy, and thank you, choir, and instrumentalist. What a beautiful piece. And Lindy Bryson is the, is the real deal right here. And so thank you, Lindy, for your song this morning. If I said that something is the real deal, I'm talking about a person or a thing that is genuine and authentic meaning that it matches what other people say about it or about the person or about a group of people, that it, it measures up. If I said that the choir is the real deal, then they measure up as they have this morning. They are a wonderful choir. We could say about Billy Graham that he is the real deal. When it comes to storms, the people of North Carolina, especially on the East Coast in South Carolina, North Carolina, recognize Florence as the real deal. The real deal could be said about a singer, about a musician, about an author, or about an athlete, that they are the real deal. We use those terms quite often. For those of you that keep up with the whole thing, the buzz about Chuck Norris that's going on today, you know, how tough he is and all of this, it could be said that Chuck Norris is the real deal. I've heard it, says that, heard it said that a bulletproof vest wears Chuck Norris. You know, he doesn't wear the bulletproof vest, anyway. Um, or that Chuck Norris was so tough that when he was born, he drove, he drove his mom home from the hospital. Um, it's an express, it is an expression that we would like to use with politicians, but we often find it difficult to do so. Jesus encouraged and challenged his disciples and his followers to be the real deal. On Wednesdays at both 11 and at 6.15, if you're not involved in a Wednesday Bible study, I would invite you to come and join with us. I lead a time at 11 uh, there beside my office here in the, in the hallway back here at 11 on Wednesdays. And then we have the same Bible study for a different group on Wednesday evenings and would encourage you to come and be a part of one of those. But last two weeks, uh, we've been talking, or last few weeks, what it means to be a disciple. And one of the things we talked about this last week was the difference we compared and contrasted. Is it, is it different when, when Jesus, and we know uh, Jesus asked others to believe in him, and belief is important for who we are as Christians. We believe in Jesus. But we also hear in the Gospels 87 times, more than Jesus said believe in him, where he said, come and follow me. And so we talked about that last Wednesday and what that might look like. And Jesus asked of his followers, as we come and follow him, he wants not only his disciples then, but his disciples today to be the real deal. Now, we often fall short of what it means 
to be, to, to be followers of Christ. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But nevertheless, Christ calls us and asks us to be the real deal in our relationship with him. In today's scripture, in Matthew chapter 6, we are in the midst of Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount. And in the first 18 verses, Jesus is warning his listeners about three practices that should not be done for human recognition. If you go back up at the beginning of chapter 6, you find words that uh, talk about giving and how giving should not be done as, as, as with great fanfare before others. Christ said, don't stand on street corners, but when you pray, go into your, in, go into your room. Or excuse me, when you give, don't sound a trumpet, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. And then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. We didn't read that passage this morning, but that's right before the, pas- the passage on prayer, which let me read again. He says, don't stand on street corners, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. And when your father who sees what is done in secret, again, will reward you. And we have this same sequence of events happening one more time with a different subject, one which we, most of us in the room, probably don't experiment with on a regular basis, and that would be that of fasting. It should not, again, be done for human recognition. It says, do not look somber and disfigure your face as some were doing. Do not let it be obvious to others you are fasting. And again, your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. This happens three times here at the beginning of Matthew chapter six in the first 18 verses. Practices that should not be done for human recognition. Today's focus is on that second practice, that practice of prayer. Last week when we were talking about prayer, I mentioned that as a young boy, I often thought that as I was developing my own prayer life, it needed to sound a little bit like the older, for the most part, men that were in our church. And when they stood up, they used that King James lingo and language and often thought that my prayers growing up needed to be like that. And uh, whether it was the pastor or deacons or other leaders in the church, I would think that as a child that I needed to use some of these and thous and kind of have this this expression or this wording that that I would hear from them uh, in my prayer life. Eugene Peterson's uh, paraphrase of this passage, uh, I say debunks that, but he he reminds us of how we are to go to God. Uh, Jesus reminds us of how we are to go to the Father. But Eugene Peterson has a special way that resonates with me and I think will with you. If you remember, Eugene Peterson is the one who translated or paraphrased the New Testament and what we read is the message. And some of you may have that with you this morning. But in Matthew 6, 5 through 8, he writes this of Jesus's words, again, a paraphrase. He says, when you come before God, don't turn that into a theatrical production either. All these people making a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for stardom. Do you think that God sits in a box seat? I love that. Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet and secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. And just be there as simply and as honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense his grace. The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense, he writes. This is your father you are dealing with, and he knows better than you what you need. With a God like this, we can pray very simply. And then he goes into the Lord's Prayer from that point forward. I love the part in Eugene Peterson's paraphrase when he says, when you come before God, don't turn that into a theatrical production either. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. I just referenced that when I was a child, I would hear the people speak in words that I didn't recognize uh, before God when they prayed. But moving now from a child, moving to my high school years, I had the privilege my senior year at Hendersonville High School, class of 1992, thank you. They had the uh, privilege of the seniors did of participating, whether you had any drama history or not, participating in a senior musical. And so my arm was twisted and I participated in Annie Get Your Gun by Irving Berlin. Many of you have heard of that musical. It was a most, one of the most delightful high school memories that I have. It was absolutely a wonderful experience to do that. And in that play, I role played. I was at one point a stagecoach driver, at one point the preacher, 
which I found interesting um, now, but it was a preacher who conducted the wedding there in Annie Get Your Gun, and I had other roles, minor roles as well, not being the, the main role. Uh, but it was an opportunity for me to role play in the sense of you know, I was, you know, pretending to be these different people. And, um, you know, think about that. Think about what other chances do we have, opportunities do we have to do that? I know as a child, and many of you, whether it's your children or grandchildren, enjoy uh, October 31st. And they may not only dress up then, but maybe throughout the year, a lot of parents of young children will have a, a box and it's a dress up box. And there's something fun and exciting about role playing. Um, Aiden loved to role play, especially in his younger years. He would have a box of hats and belts and pants and suits and all kinds of different things. And you would transform when you would put on those clothes into somebody that maybe you watched on cartoon or was your favorite uh, TV show. However, this is not God's desire for our prayer life. We see that. It's very clearly explained with Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. It is not his desire, but it is, our, it is his desire for us to come to him as our true selves. And to be honest, is there any, really any other way that we can come to God other than coming to him as our true selves? Scripture gives us several individuals that are the real deal when it comes to their prayer life. The first one I'm going to mention is someone you probably haven't heard of that often. However, during my first few weeks here at Boiling Springs, I referenced someone in the Old Testament by the name of Jehoshaphat. Aren't you glad your parents didn't name you Jehoshaphat? But in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, Jehoshaphat is the king of Judah, and he learns that a mighty army is coming against him. And it's not just any army, but it's an army that has a brutal reputation of annihilating everyone that they have come against. Jehoshaphat knew this. So what does he do? He immediately says in, in 2 Chronicles 20, Jehoshaphat was afraid and he turned his attention to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast. There's the fasting again, church, throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to seek help from the Lord and they even came from all the cities of Judah to seek the Lord. And over the next few verses, Jehoshaphat cries out, to the Lord. You know, we talked about those prayers last week, those prayers sometimes that are silent prayers, and then there's other prayers where we just simply cry out to the Lord. Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord, and he said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in the heavens? He was talking about God's presence in the midst of the here and now. Sometimes we struggle to find that in the midst of modern day culture, but yet God is here and among us not only this morning, but he is at work in our world and in our lives each and every day. Jehoshaphat is acknowledging that in the beginning of his prayer. He goes on to talk about God of the past. He says, did you not, O our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel? So he's remembering and praying and, and, uh, about how God has worked in the past. And then he goes on to, to pray about the current situation that they're faced with. And he, and he concludes, well, somewhat near the end of his prayer, he says, oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we are powerless before this great multitude, who are, this multitude who are coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Later, we hear a message from the Lord after this heartfelt, honest prayer where Jehoshaphat is not role-playing before God, but is crying out on behalf of the people. And he hears the message from the Lord that they need not fight in this battle, but to station themselves and stand and see the salvation of the Lord on their behalf. Do not fear is mentioned several times throughout that passage. And as I say that, it's a message that we hear when we cry out to God. We hear that message from our Lord as well saying, do not fear. I've been told that those words are in scripture roughly about 365 times, enough for each day of the year to remind us of that. But not only do we hear prayers from Jehoshaphat, we hear prayers in the Old Testament from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel 3 in the midst of the fire. We hear a prayer from uh, Hezekiah. As we move further into the New Testament, of course, we, Jesus gave us the model prayer, and then Paul, outside of Jesus, would be the best example of the New Testament of someone who was the real deal in regards to their prayer life. He repeatedly prayed for others, especially individuals and especially the churches to whom he wrote letters and the churches to whom he visited and had a great relationship with. One of the greatest, though, uh, other than Jesus' example of prayer and, and Jesus' model for our prayer life, one of the greatest examples of this, I think, could be King David in the Old Testament. When we look to the Psalms, they are full of what honest prayers look like. David wasn't role-playing when he cried out to God. 
with times of praise and thanksgiving, at times of distress. In Psalm 3, when he cried out for deliverance, David was not role-playing before God. At times when he's angry in his prayers, one of his greatest prayers of confession and pardon in Psalm 51, and many of you remember that prayer. Psalm 139 reminds us of how um, intense God's knowledge is of us and was of David. And he, he was uh, in awe, I think, as, he, as these words are written down and recorded for us. And at the end of Psalm 139, he says these words, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there is any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. God's presence has a way of doing that. When we come into his presence, he has his way of um, searching us and knowing us unlike anyone could ever do that. And then we have the last Psalm I'll mention of David as far as his honest prayers is Psalm 109. It's a, it's a tough Psalm. It's what they call an imprecatory Psalm where David prays calamity and curse. And there are times when we're so angry about whatever events may be happening to us or around us that we like David pray an imprecatory psalm. It, we, we pray this, we don't role play, we let God know fully our anger and our frustration over that we feel the injustice that is happening either to us or to someone else. We have not only biblical examples of, of characters and heroes of our faith not role playing before God, but we also have historical and modern day examples of people who are not role playing in their prayer lives. We think of St. Francis of Assisi. Many of you know his prayer, make me an instrument of your peace. We have um, monastic saints. We think of Brother Lawrence. We think of the lady, Teresa of Avila. She was the doctor of prayer for the Catholic Church, and some of you may recall that name. We have the name John Wesley, which many of you will recognize. We have prayers from St. Patrick, and I love his prayer that we often read in different settings where it talks about Christ before me and Christ beneath me and Christ behind me and Christ above me, and where everywhere I go, may Christ be the center of what other people see. And just recently, I was discovered, I discovered Mother Teresa's prayer. And this is certainly not a prayer where one is role-playing before God. This prayer is attributed to Mother Teresa. Um, it's called Do It Anyway. And it says these words, people are often unreasonable and rational and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of selfish and ulterior motives. God, help me to be kind to them anyway. If you are successful, you will win some unfaithful friends and some genuine enemies. God, help me to succeed anyway. If you are honest and sincere, people may deceive you, but God, help me to be honest and sincere anyway. What you spend years creating, others could destroy overnight. God, help me to create anyway. If you found serenity and happiness, some may be jealous, but God, help me to be happy anyway. The good you do today will often be forgotten, but God help me to do good anyway. Give the best you have and it will never be enough, but God help me to give my best anyway. In the final analysis, it is between you and God. It was never between you and them anyway. We have great examples, both biblically and historically, of prayers where people are pouring their true selves out to the Lord, prayers that you and I can benefit from as well. Jesus gives us that example as he was on the cross. It's okay to repeat words from a prayer. If those are our only words, then I would be cautious of that or be, you know, concerned about that. But Jesus reminds us it's okay to pray as he prayed words from the Psalms himself there during those final days. But as believers, we can look back on and say they were the real deal. They were the real deal. We learn or find evidence that their prayer life was also the real deal as well. What also makes our biblical and historical and modern day prayer heroes the real deal is we see the evidence that when they messed up, they fessed up. I was talking to someone this week and how Billy Graham at one point acknowledged that he had become too involved in politics and he had confessed that and did not seek uh, to continue in that, in that realm. But we look back and think back about our, he, our heroes, both in scripture and in our modern day context. And we can see that when they messed up, they fessed up. And as we grow closer to him and we realize more of who he is 
and who we are in our prayers, we simply cry out as well. It may not look exactly like Psalm 51 there with David, but nevertheless, we acknowledge to God we have messed up when we realize who he is and who we are. The scriptures tell us in Romans 3.23 that we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. And in Romans 6.23, scripture reminds us that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Scripture reminds us later there in Romans that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. When we think about being true followers of Christ, as we talked about last Wednesday in our Wednesday time and what that looks like, and Jesus said to Peter and John and to the tax collector and to the one who had great possessions, come and follow me. Jesus was asking of them and he is asking of us for him to be the real deal in our lives? Is our faith simply something that we try to make look good in front of others? We try to make look good at church. Um, I would say by dressing up, but I didn't do that today. So I'm trying not to, you know, I'm trying not to impress you by my clothes today. Um, but can others see that Christ is who we are following? Can others see that Christ is the real deal for us? Even when we mess up. Are we willing to fess up? Are we willing to say, God, and to others, I've missed the mark? Jesus' desire, Jesus' desire for you and for me this morning is that we come to him with our true selves. And when I learned to do that in my own prayer life years ago, it, changed, it was a game changer for me to use that expression. I walked away from those times receiving God's grace and his mercy and his compassion, realizing that my mistakes and the things that I wish were very different in my life God can still use me despite those things. I began to realize that God can take this imperfect and flawed individual and leader and that he can use me for good for his kingdom. My hope and prayer for you this morning as we continue this emphasis on prayer next week, uh, as we think about the great things and challenges that are ahead for both, both us personally and for the church in today's modern context, church, we must be people of prayer. We must go to God with our true selves. We can't go any other way. That's how God wants us to come. He made it very clear here in this passage from the Sermon on the Mount today. Let us not be found guilty of role-playing in our prayer life before God. As we think about challenges here in our church, as we think about challenges in the context of our greater culture, we must be people of prayer. I think God said that. I'm trying to remember where that scripture is, where he said, let my house be called a house a prayer. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your challenging words. That when we open up the scripture, Lord, you speak to us in ways that other uh, readings and other writings do not speak to us. Lord, these words are living and active. And Father, we pray that at this hour and at this time, Lord, you would convict our hearts of the importance of prayer. Lord, help us to not role play before you when we come and just come because other people, ministers or leaders tell us that prayer is a good thing to do. But Lord, help us to have those times where we can close our door, whatever that might look like. It may be we go down to the river, maybe not right now, but we go to a place in nature where we can spend time with you and shut out the world and the other voices that seek our, our attention. Father, help us not to role play, but to come to you. And Lord, as we walk away from those times, Father, you will give us the strength and Father, you will help us to convey the message to others that you are the real deal. And may they see that in our lives. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. I thank you for the music and the songs and the, um, the prayers that have been prayed today. Lord, I pray now, Lord, as you would speak to us in these final moments, that you would challenge, that you would convict, and that you would encourage us. If there are those here today that desire church membership, Father, give them the courage to come and to, to make that known. If there are some here today, Lord, that need to make decisions, Lord, give them the courage and the strength to do that. Father, I, my heart and prayer is that each one here today has uh, entered into that personal relationship with you. And if they haven't, Lord, may you stir their hearts to come to know you as Lord and Savior this day. Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness to us. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. To close the service today, we're going to stand and sing a hymn that many of you will know, Sweet Hour of Prayer, hymn number 412. If the Lord is leading, I encourage you to come uh, during this time of invitation. Let's stand and sing together.
before we leave today, let me just mention a couple of things very quickly. Next Sunday, we will be voting on our new deacons for deacon election. And so we just encourage you to be mindful and prayerful of the names, all wonderful names that are here in your uh, bulletin this morning. So be mindful of that. And also beginning next Sunday night, we haven't had a lot of advertisement about this, but on the 23rd and 30th of September, I'll be leading a new study called Cultural Trends, Are We in Perilous Times? This will be two weeks. And the first week, uh, it might be a little bit of a darker picture, but you need to come back the second week because it'll be more hopeful. And so uh, be mindful of that. Cultural trends, are we in perilous times? And that'll be the next, not tonight, but the next two Sunday nights beginning next week. And so be mindful of other announcements that are in your bulletin. Uh, we're excited about a lot of different things that are happening and taking place here at Bowling Springs and uh, not only in our church, but some mission opportunities that we have as well. And so be mindful of those. Uh, be safe if you travel home today. I have no idea what's going on outside. I don't hear anything, so maybe that's a good sign. Um, but uh, let's close in a word of prayer. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you that we have the privilege to come to you in prayer. And Lord, help us to be faithful in doing that each and every day. Lord, bless those now that are here and bring, get us home safely. And bless those who continue to recover from the storms down east. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.